Thank you for listening to Breakthrough Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message brought to you by John Crampton. For more podcasts, news, and other events, please visit breakthroughlife.co.za. So folks, as we come to the end of 2020, we've made it. <laughs> All right. So, I mean, I know there's still a couple more weeks left, but you know, we're going to just make this a month of celebration because this year has just been so huge. Why don't we just like, you know, every Sunday in December, look, we just celebrate. Yeah, thank you, Lord. You've carried us through. You know, some of us, so many of us, when we started out and we were facing all of these, you know, uncertainties, we'd not been this way before. I think I preached a message on that. Crossing over the Jordan. Hey guys, follow the presence because you've not been this way before. Yeah? And, uh, and so the Lord was leading us and guiding us uh, with his presence. He said, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. I will not abandon you. I will not leave you as orphans. And especially at this time of the year, as we are celebrating uh, Advent, we're celebrating the coming of of the king, Emmanuel, which means God with us. I will never leave you, God with us. And, uh, and so he's celebrating that God has been with us. Yeah. yeah, that in a sense, that prophetic word which was released 2,000 years ago is still ringing through every part of this planet. God is here. God is with us. Mm. Come on. I mean, when we were imagining what it would be like as we went into a hard lockdown in March of this year, it's kind of like, well, what's going to happen to the economy? Do you remember at one stage we used to be worried about a thing called junk status? Like everything was just going to fall over, like from one day to the next. Well, it's kind of like we're still standing, guys. Yeah? And so the grace of the Lord has been released to us, and he's strengthened us. He's given us courage and boldness, and he's given to us everything that we need in order to not just survive, but even thrive. Even as, as Rob was, was saying um, and implying during the tithes and offerings time, you know, that he's been living the abundant life. <laughs> and, uh, you know, it, it's absolutely amazing when we look back and we see how God has carried us through to sort of like ask ourselves the question, well, why did we ever worry? Why was there any doubt? Why was there room for fear? When so many times in Scripture he says, do not fear. Yeah? And, uh, and so we, we've also seen how the Lord prepared his people for this huge lockdown which lasted 70 years. As... God's people went into exile. 
and they were carried away, uh, and, and the Lord watched over them. He looked after them during all of that time, and then he brought them back. They, they were returned, and they were restored back to the place that God had for them. And we know that restoration, from a biblical point of view, always results in increase. Some of you are not 100% persuaded. We can, we can go back and we can revise that from the scriptures. I mean, just really, really quickly, you know, everybody's worried about this, this guy called Job in the Bible. You know, and just remember, this guy Job, I mean, we, that was written right in the early part of, of the time of the patriarchs. I mean, he didn't have much revelation to go on. So uh, we, we're not going to base a whole heap of our walk with Jesus on some guy who only had some fragments of revelation. You know, he was like one of the really early guys just like trying to figure it out and, and trying to serve God. And, and some of the things he got right and some of the things he got wrong. And the Bible is okay to include the mess in the scriptures. The, the Bible's okay for us to see how people journey and struggle through things. The Bible doesn't sanitize stuff. Listen, some of those things from the family tree, you would edit out. You would not have it in your Facebook feed. Some of the things that relatives did, it's kind of like, I don't know, we just don't talk about them. But the Bible is okay to include some of the things we would never dare talk about. Like, don't let anybody know we've got an Uncle Fred. You know? It's the guy we don't talk about. But yet, the scripture is okay to include this stuff, not to glorify the mess, but to give context. Listen, those guys in the Bible, they had to live through mess. Guess what? We have to live through mess. And if we only had a sanitized version of the Bible, we would think like, what's wrong with us? We could never live up to that. But we watch these guys and they struggle and they, they, they're finding God in their spiritual journey and sometimes it's three steps forward and two steps back. But the net result is still a forward move. Right? And, and so we, we, we kind of not saying, well, gee, they blew it so it's okay, we can blow it. No, 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 no. No, no, we have Holy Spirit who helps us to say no to all the rubbish. Yeah? Also, the Holy Spirit is helping us to understand that we're not defined by Uncle Fred. We don't have to walk with guilt and shame because of things that are, you know, around us. No, no. The Holy Spirit is helping us to move forward 
and to live a life that pleases the Lord. So, this thing of restoration, remember that's where we were? Because some of you were giving me that blank look behind the mask. I don't know what you guys are going to do when masks are over and done with. Like, how are you going to put your, your Sunday face back on? Because you're hiding behind the mask. Like, doesn't matter if I say something good or something bad, you're just going to look at me. Back to Job. Job suffered some terrible things that are really hard for us to understand. And you can try and develop a theory of, or a theology of loss and all the rest of it. You know what? Far better is what was the final result? What was the outcome? No matter what the enemy threw at Job, and no matter what the difficult circumstances was that he had to face, what we see is that God came through in the end, and he ensured that Job came through in the end, and he had double in the end. And the Bible calls that restoration. Double is called restoration. So when the Lord says, I will restore, we have an anticipation, not just of coming back to where we were, which would be kind of like, whew, ah, no, it's double. And that's not even a prosperity gospel. God's really big. God's really big. Now, I give you that as a backdrop because what I want to talk to you about today is suffering. Because <laughs> it's good for you. The Bible says so. As victorious believing believers who are called to be overcomers who are called to be those who will soon crush Satan under our feet we're called to be the head and not the tail so we firmly Believe and hold on to all of those scriptures that point to the fact that God's bringing us through the other side in victory and in triumph and restoration, which we've noted is a double portion. So we hold on to that. And while we firmly hold on to that, at the same time, we have an appreciation and we hold on to the fellowship of the sufferings of Christ. Weren't that many amens as earlier, but it's okay. 
We live with paradoxes. We live with so many opposites in the scripture that pull us and keep us in some kind of a place of tension. You know, we pulled by the suffering part and we pulled by the, I'm going to give you peace and nothing will touch you. And we've got to hold on to both. And it's really important for us to hold on to both because that tension creates energy which is absolutely beautiful because that propels us out of the state we're in. Tension creates energy. Energy is what you need to keep moving forward. You see, if you only embraced the scriptures that speak about suffering and trial and, you know, laying it all down and giving it all up and having nothing and you could end up with wrong, I was going to say, stinking thinking. All right? It's a, it's a thinking of, of decay and distraction, and it's thinking, I'm just a worm. I'm miserable. I'm useless. And the only way um, that God is glorified is I'm, you know, absolutely crushed and trampled on even by the devil. And some people have a victim mentality in their Christian life. And they think that that is spiritual. So when the devil gives them a clap around the ear hole, they think this is good. And that, friends, is warped. Because they have a big devil and a small God. We're more impressed with what the enemy can do. I'm preaching to somebody, I don't know. It is mind-blowing how so many people who say they are Christ followers are more impressed with the devil's ability to do harm, evil, wickedness, destruction. They have a kind of a faith in the devil, in his ability, that is termed fear. And so there is an anticipation that many difficult, troublesome, hard, destructive things are just coming my way. Bring it on. Because that's what I deserve. That's worm thinking. I'm useless. I'm worthless. I'm nothing. I'm a sinner. That's not what the Bible says. The Bible says, I'm a saint. I am Saint John. (laughs) 
Yeah. He loves me. He told me that this morning. You happened to be in the room at the same time, but he was speaking to me. He says, I'm the beloved. John means the beloved. He said he loves me. That was the prophetic word that came at the end of worship. I'm a saint. I'm a new creation in Christ. The old worm has gone. And the new has come. He says that we are victorious. And he begins to prophesy to us that we are the overcomers. We're the people who inherit the breakthrough. That we've been adopted, we've been included in the family, we've actually now part of the royal priesthood, the holy nation. Once we were not the people of God, but now we are. We're in the inner circle. You know that golden circle? Some of you people who go to concerts know what I'm talking about. Well, when we used to be able to. All right. But if I only have a grid theologically that the Lord is giving to me access to everything I need for life and godliness in the heavenly realms, and if I only have a grid that God is going to sort out anyone who's opposing me, no weapon formed against you will prosper, and if I think that everything will always turn out hunky-dory every minute of every day, then I'm in a place where when something does go wrong, does not compute. Then I have a crisis because, well, how can God let that happen? That's not fair. It's interesting. Not many people choose to admit this. But oftentimes we're faced with having to either, well not either, we're faced with the opportunity to become offended with God himself. And a lot of Christians don't even want to admit that at times they're offended with God. Because he did not do what they wanted him to do. God, I prayed, I rang the bell, I did all these things and you're supposed to Give me all the answers and do all the stuff. And you didn't. Like, what's wrong? God, as has been said before, is not the divine butler. He does not exist to make you happy. We exist to live a life that pleases him. And so a more healthy place for us to live in is in this place of tension between fellowshipping with Christ in his sufferings 
And because he rose again and he's victorious and because we are in him, we too have resurrection life and we too are victorious. We hold on to both of these things. And it's a beautiful song. Most musical instruments, the reason that a guitar string can make a beautiful sound is because it's been stretched into tension. And your life can be a beautiful song, melody, make a wonderful sound through that tension. All right. I'm going to read some scriptures, say one or two things, pray for you, and send you home. That's the plan. How well we stick to the plan is another thing. All right. The guys back home have gone for their third cup of coffee. <laughs> All right. So, last week, we happened to be looking at uh, St. Peter. All the saints rolling around. Peter, as we noted, was writing from Rome. Later on, the end of his second letter, he says, you know, we're basically in Babylon. All right? And it's a euphemism. All right? Because Rome was the capital of the, the known world. It was the superpower of the day. And they had the most despicable uh, emperor, Nero. And Nero was crazy. And, uh, and he'd embarked on this campaign to, uh, to persecute the Christians. Now remember, it started with the other guy, Saul. Became Paul. Yeah, I'd also change my name if I was... No, God changed his name. But. So there was this persecution that breaks out. It's, you know, in Jerusalem and spreads to the other places and starts with religious people bringing persecution. But now we begin to see government... State-sponsored persecution of believers. And First uh, Peter, the book was written probably about 61. Let's call it an average of about 61 AD. In 64 AD, Rome was on fire. <clears throat> and it burned for about nine straight days. On day six... The, the fire seemed to die out, and then it mysteriously sparked up again in another part of the town and, and, and burnt for a few more days. And so some of the historians think that Nero actually sent, set fire to the town himself, the city. But what he did was he turned around and he blamed it on the Christians. And that unleashed the most hectic persecution of of Christians. In fact, he was sort of known as an antichrist. Yeah? And, um, and you can also pick that up in, um, in John's letters. 
He says, you know, the spirit of the Antichrist, in fact, the Antichrist is already here. I didn't want you to be left behind on that point. <laughs> but the Antichrist has already been revealed, and the spirit of the, anti of the Antichrist is at work. That was already John writing in the first century. All this hectic persecution that was being released on, uh, on, on God's people. So Peter, he's in Rome. And he's writing to exiles. He's writing to foreigners, aliens, and we looked at this last week, people who are living temporarily alongside another people group. And they speak differently, different accent, different customs, culture. And the connotation is you're living alongside people who live and think differently from you. And don't be contaminated by these other people that you're living alongside. And so you live differently, you, you, you're living as foreigners and aliens while you're here on the earth. And the thing is that you're foreign and alien because you, you, you're looking to your heritage which comes from Jerusalem. That was the understanding that the Jewish people had. And of course Jesus said, you know, you've, uh, I'm, I'm coming back on the clouds. And the angels said to the guys who were around there, about 500 of them, he says, the same way you've seen him go up, he's coming back down, he's coming back to the same place. All right, so there was this sense of the, the spiritual roots, if you like, the heritage in a particular place, the particular land, geography, Jerusalem, Israel, now you've got the diaspora and you've got people scattered all over the place through the Roman Empire and now they're living as foreigners or aliens and exiles in a foreign place. In this context, Peter's not saying, listen, your home is somewhere in heaven and you're living as a foreigner here. That's not what he's saying. He's saying you're living here and you're living differently on purpose, and you're not trying to be assimilated and live the same way that the people are living around about you. And if you read through the letters of um, First and Second Peter, you'll see he, he lists all the kind of crazy, debauched stuff that was happening. And of course, Nero was one of the most debauched leaders that the Roman Empire had, had ever had. I mean, the oak was, he was a bad lad. Uh, he, he, would have, uh, he would have night parties. He would take Christians, and he would put tar over them and set them alight while they were alive, set them alight to create a burning torch so they could do whatever their parties and stuff at night. This is crazy stuff. Throw, throw Christians to, to the dogs, literally, to be torn to pieces by dogs. You've heard of, of the circus. You know, not with clowns and juggling or whatever. But Lisa and I had the privilege of, of going to the Colosseum in Rome. And, uh, and, and seeing what was going on. And people would be thrown, to, fed to wild beasts and, and be torn by lions. Yeah. 
Ja, hectic, hectic stuff. And, and Nero was a wicked, wicked man. And Peter is writing from Rome where Nero is ruling. At the time when Nero is ruling. And there's some, some parts where he says, guys, you need to honor the emperor. What? It's kind of like, this guy's like off the wall. He says, no, no. Hey, you're living for a higher king, but honor all authority, even if you don't agree with it. Listen, there's certain things, rules, laws in the land which we don't like. There's some of those things where it's, if it's not against conscience, obey. If it says 120, please don't drive 80. I mean, don't drive 121. That's what I meant to say. Actually, they do say that probably one of the worst causes of accidents are people driving too slowly when they should be driving on a highway at, at full speed. But even if, you, if your car can go a lot faster and you're a really good driver and all these kinds of things and you don't, you don't think that that's a, that's a good number to put in terms of a speed limit, honor the rules of the road. Even if you don't like the, what the government is doing with your tax money, you still pay it. One half an amen in the building. <laughs> because we're living as unto the king. We're living as aliens, foreigners. I mean, the people around us, they're all trying to do their, whatever they can to get out of paying taxes often employing illegitimate methods to do that. But you're not like them. You're like an alien. You're kind of like, oh my goodness, did you see how much God blessed me? I have the privilege of being able to pay tax. Awesome. This year, I pay more tax than last year because God has blessed me even more. Some of you are looking at me funny. Sure, we pay what we need to pay. All right? So I'm not being stupid and like, you know what, give the government all your money. That's not what I'm saying. The point is, we honor authority. And Peter is writing that to the believers, and he's saying that in the context of Nero as he's living in Rome. So when he talks about fiery trials, that takes on a whole other meaning. Literally, fiery trials for the believers. This is crazy stuff. Now obviously this letter was written before the fire of 64, and, um, but there's some things here that are going to help us to grab a hold of this understanding of suffering. Because we don't spend a lot of time preaching and speaking about it, partly because 
for many people who've grown up in religious environments in this country, they've probably been a little bit too comfortable in the camp of I'm a worm. And so a lot of the emphasis of the teaching and the preaching at Breakthrough is we're coming and we're trying to get you to get a better handle on this side of things. Like God's calling you to be an overcomer. And in fact, he gave us the name Breakthrough for a reason. Meaning that there are obstacles in the way, but you need to break through them. Like in order to be an overcomer, up and over. And if there's nothing to get up and over, then you're just a through. Let me just say, through life, church. <laughs> but we are breakthrough. It's up and over. Overcoming and breaking through the barriers. Breaking through the chains. Pushing through some of the difficulty, obstacles, and hardship. That we don't go, oh, you know, it's just too hard. Let's just rather stay back in this little worm place. So like, no, no, no. He's called calling us to push through some things that we might hold on to this side of things better. Yeah? So a lot of the emphasis in breakthrough is trying to help us to get a handle on this thing in good and right ways. Not thinking that God is the divine butler because that's completely wrong as well. So let's get an accurate understanding what is it that we're going after. Yay? But we also need to get an understanding of what is this so that when we, not when we, not if we, but when we push through this stuff, we've got a handle for what God is accomplishing in this time. So 2020, what was that all about? Oh, well, some of it was about this. Some of it was God was showing us that he can actually do stuff in this area of life. Oh, that wasn't the word you were hoping for. Okay, the scriptures I was going to give you. 1 Peter chapter 1. Verse 3, praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. This inheritance is kept in heaven for you, who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. Basically, when Jesus comes, the second coming, things are going to shift and change, and the inheritance is being kept there, and when he comes, he's bringing the inheritance with him. He's bringing the inheritance with him. From heaven to earth, he's bringing the inheritance with him. I'm messing with some of your theology now, big time. Because a lot of what's going on is that we are projecting everything into the far, the, the, the by and by. 
And we, oh, okay. Next year's a new year. We'll get to that. In all this, you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while, you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. Can we just say this? We're holding on for salvation. We're looking forward to the second coming. Is everybody happy? We believe in the second coming. Yay! And we believe in that great rapture when he comes, the second coming. We believe that when he comes the second time, there will only be one second coming. And when he comes, the second coming, even right now as we remember the first coming, Christmas, we're looking forward to the second coming, and when he comes, we will be caught up with him in the air. That's the root thing for the word rapture. We'll be caught up with him in the air, and we will be transferred in the twinkling, transformed in the twinkling of an eye, and we will become like him. Hallelujah. Yay. And then it's the new heaven and the new earth, and we're with him, and he's with us forever. Yes. But he comes to us. See, I read, the, I, read, I read the end of the book. It says, and then heaven came down to? Next year. So we're looking forward to this tremendous, his appearing, the second coming. And in this you greatly rejoice. We're rejoicing in the fact that he is alive. The resurrection and the ascension, absolutely phenomenal. The cross opened the way for us to be redeemed, the price to be paid, to appease the Father, that the judgment and the wrath against sin could be poured out upon Jesus and not upon us. Jesus was not appeasing the devil. Jesus owes that thief, that squatter, that usurper. He stole through deception the authority in the garden. And Jesus came and he took it back. Yes. He says, I'll have those keys. <laughs> the price was paid. The sacrifice was made. That God, the righteous judge, could judge sin. That price was paid. Got to get our theology right. Small devil, big God. In all this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while. Can you say little while? Little while. How long was 2020? It's a little while. 
How long will 2021 be? A little while. Folks, it'll just be a little while longer. Okay? Just a little while longer. So don't panic. If they want us to, you know, we have another one of these national family chats. And he says, just a little while longer. It's just, just a little while longer. Okay? Don't get upset. Don't lose your peace. Don't lose your joy. It's okay. Just a little while longer. Though now for a little while you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. These have come. Yeah, Peter's giving perspective. These have come so that the proven genuineness of your faith of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire. Gosh, man, he's got this theme of fire going through here. Come on, Peter. This is hard for us to take. He says, even though you've been refined by fire, there's a proven genuineness of your faith that's taking place. That it may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. Second coming. Though you have not seen him, you love him, and even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy. Inexpressible meaning words. I can't even find the words to describe this joy that I have. Peter in Rome, he's writing to these guys in exile foreigners, aliens, strangers, who are going through difficult, fiery trials. He, back in Rome, also nicknamed Babylon, is kind of like, hey guys, I'm giving you apostolic wisdom and perspective. This is inspired by the Holy Spirit speaking through Peter. He's giving prophetic insight as to what's happening. Your faith is being proven to be genuine. Yeah, And while you are in this trial for a little while, this little while could last years. But against all of eternity, it's gone. Just... How many of you had an operation? Been in hospital, you had an operation. Uh, They gave you some wonderful drugs and you went to sleep. And you came out the other side and they gave you some more drugs. But when those drugs began to wear off, you felt pain. Like, Jesus, take me now. Like, intense pain. Like, I don't know how I'm going to get through this. Can you remember that pain now? Can you feel that pain now? you got a vague, dis- you know, I think, yeah. All I can remember is that when it was happening, I thought it was absolutely terrible and I would never get through it. But right now, I'm not feeling the pain. Yeah, I can show you the scar. I've got one just here. I can show you the scar, but I actually cannot feel the pain. It's just like, boom, it's gone. We're going to look back on some of the trials. It's kind of like, you know what? It was just gone. And the pain, where's the pain? No, 
Why? Because you got the, I will restore your fortunes. Jeremiah. We got the restoration bit. We got the double portion bit. Kind of like, yeah, I can remember that I went through a trial and it was difficult at the time, but right now, I, I'm trying to, I can't feel the difficulty. Because I'm at the other side of it. And as you're going through this, there's this inexpressible joy and full of glory. For you are receiving, you're in the process of receiving the end result of your faith, the salvation of your souls. All right, a couple more verses. Though you have not seen, uh, I think we've already read that part. Let me just move along. Sorry, I'm trying to fast forward here. Concerning the salvation, the prophets who spoke of the grace that was to come to you searched intently and with the greatest care, trying to find out, this is verse 10, the time and the circumstances to which the Spirit of Christ in them was pointing when he predicted the sufferings of the Messiah. Hello. So the Old Testament prophets were prophesying about the coming of the Messiah, Jesus. In this Advent time, we're kind of like, wow, he came to earth. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. So we remember this. But the prophets were pointing and predicting the sufferings of the Messiah. Hello. So many Focus, so much of the focus and the attention is, you know, joy to the world, the Lord has come, and all of these wonderful things, and, you know, it's, it's a great story, it's not 100% accurate, because we don't know how many magi there were, we just know that there were three gifts that came, yeah, we also know that Jesus was the boy child when they finally rocked up, so Jesus was probably about two years old when they rocked up. It's in the Greek. Yeah, they weren't all there on the same night with the shepherds. The shepherds got to be there right up front. And of course we know that, you know, they were out in the fields looking after their flocks. And so it wasn't winter when it snows in the northern hemisphere in December. Peter says, Peter says, they were pointing to the sufferings of the Messiah. It was revealed to them that they were not serving themselves, but you, when they spoke of the things that have now been told you by those who have preached the gospel to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven. Even angels long to look into these things. Therefore, verse 13, with minds that are alert and fully sober, set your hope on the grace to be brought to you when Jesus Christ is revealed at his coming. Gosh, there's this theme again, right? As obedient children live like aliens, do not conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance. But just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do, for it is written, be holy because I am holy. And so we live differently, we live holy lives. Holy means to be absolutely dedicated 
to the Lord and his purposes. So instead of living for your own purposes, now we're dedicated, we're holy, we live for his purposes. That's what it means to be holy. So we live differently, right? So you're in lockdown, you're in exile, you're living differently. Then he goes on in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 20. Can I have a couple more minutes? Would that be all right? 1 Peter 2, verse 20, he says, he's talking to guys who are in slavery, and um, he says, you know, be a good slave. But how is it to your credit if you receive a beating for doing wrong and you endure it? Okay, so if you, if you misbehave and you get a beating, that's on you. But if you suffer for doing good and you endure it, this is commendable before God. If you suffer for doing good and you endure it, it's commendable before God. Hey, if you suffer in lockdown, your business, your finances, all of these different things, and you're, still, and you're living right and you're doing good, hey, it's commendable that you live without a tainted attitude. You continue to live with this joyous, inexpressible joy, full of glory kind of life even though you're suffering. To this you were called, hello, to this you were called because Christ suffered for you, leaving you an example that you should follow in his steps. How many called ones here? Uh, we're not so sure if we want to put our hands up on this time around. Yeah, but we called to, to suffer with him. We call to walk in his example. You know what? He suffered unjustly. If you suffer unjustly, it's going to be okay. Jesus knows what you're going through. He went through it himself. He'll be with you. It's going to be okay. And God says this is actually commendable. First Peter 4, verse 1. Therefore, since Christ suffered in his body... Arm yourselves also with the same attitude because whoever suffers in the body is done with sin. In other words, what he's saying is, listen, Jesus physically suffered. You're in a body. You will physically suffer. And just as Jesus was done with sin, he never sinned. You too, because you're walking in his footsteps, you're honoring him. All right, you've done with sin. You're not living in a sinful lifestyle. You're living in a holy lifestyle. You're done with those kinds of ways, the way that the other people live. Because you're living like a foreign and an alien, you're not living that way. You're done with sin. You're being holy and you're living righteously. And in all of this kind of thing, there's this theme of suffering that's going on. Carry on in verse 12. Dear friends, do not be surprised at the fiery ordeal that has come on you to test you as though something strange were happening to you. Okay. If I'm over here in this camp, it's all glory, hallelujah, and victory, and nothing can touch me. It's kind of like, what? As though something strange is happening to me. He's saying, hang on, guys, there's, there's, a, there's a bit of suffering that goes on, so don't be surprised. But rejoice inasmuch as you participate in the sufferings of Christ, so that you may be overjoyed when his glory is revealed. He goes on, if you're insulted, you know, all going to be good. All going to be good. 
All right. Thank you. I'll use your extra two minutes and another one and a half. <laughs> Let me try and wrap this up. We believe in overcoming victory. In this fallen world where things go wrong, rust, moth, thieves break in, they're suffering. But in as much as you're experiencing the sufferings, let your heart be aligned with the one who's leading you in victory. And you know that you are receiving the joy of your salvation, even as you endure these things. Because your faith is being proven to be more genuine. Even though I've lost everything. I haven't lost my faith. My faith is not based on circumstances. You see, otherwise it's like, oh, hallelujah, I've got a new car and a bigger house and a bigger bank balance and God is blessing me and so I'm going to serve Jesus. He says, and then if you take all that away, where's your heart? Can you, when you're still in this place of having nothing, can you still have the, I'm serving Jesus with everything I've got? Is your faith genuine? Have you got the certificate tried in the fiery trials? And so God, he's giving us a perspective on these difficulties and these hard circumstances. And he's saying, guys, even if you go through these things, it's for your benefit. Maybe here in the little while, it's hard and difficulty, uh, hard and difficult. But against eternity, come on, what are you taking with you? Who you are, your relationship with God, an inexpressible joy full of glory Amen let's stand let's pray Holy Spirit we ask that you would give us wisdom insight Understanding, revelation of what you've been doing in us in these times of difficulty. That we might not miss what you're doing. That we might not embrace a wrong heart attitude. And circumvent what you were wanting to accomplish in our lives. Lord, purify our hearts. Cause us to be in a place of gratitude. Because once we were not the people of God, but now we are. And that's all that matters. All the rest is just stuff. So we don't put our hope in our circumstances. We put our hope in you. Thank you, Lord, that 
Peter could write all those years ago to help us and give us context of what we've been going through in 2020. Thank you, Lord, that you're setting us up for success. Eternal, everlasting success. Because we are in you. Thank you, Lord. May your name be magnified and glorified in our lives in each and every situation, regardless of whether we regard it as being favorable or unfavorable. Every condition is favorable for you to be working on the inside of us. Praise your name. Hallelujah. And all God's people said, Amen Amen and Amen and Amen. May you be blessed with a heart that is filled with gratitude and thanksgiving. That he has your best interests in his heart. Amen.